What if I told you that there is a key truth in the Bible, a key theme in the Bible that runs throughout the Bible that most of the world believes, like most of the human population over the face of the planet believes this truth, but yet there are many Christians in the American church that don't believe it. You believe me? You're saying, wait a second, Zach, most of the people in the world, some who've never even heard the name of Jesus, believe this truth that's in the Bible, but you're telling me most modern American Christians don't believe it. That kind of seems far out there. Like they've never even had access to God's word. What if I told you this? That most humans in all of time, in every continent, in every culture, in every space, have believed this truth. But yet in this moment and in this time, we're failing to believe it. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, oh, you're talking about the fact that we're created male or female. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that Satan is real. And that spiritual warfare is real. You see, across cultures, across time, humanity has believed in an evil power. A dark force. We're a spiritual people. God has made us spiritual. And so, uh, uh, across time and across culture, we're a people who believe in darkness. But yet, in the American church, we don't like to think about it. right? We don't like to think about it. We don't see it. We don't want it. We don't want to acknowledge it. It's kind of weird. Some of you are sitting here today thinking like, man, this is a weird church. This dude believes in Satan. Yep. <laughs> I do believe in Satan, and like my, my point being, so have most people in history believed in Satan, believed in a dark force. Well, today, as we open up God's Word, we're going to see uh, the start, uh, the continued start of Jesus' ministry, and we're going to see the real battle which he came to fight. As we go in today, most of you know right now we're going, we're going in to talk about the temptation of Jesus, the 40 days in the wilderness. I want us, before we read our text, to kind of look forward in the Bible to the book of Hebrews. Uh, Jed read a passage from Hebrews. I'm going to quote that one again. But this is a different passage in the book of Hebrews that, that I really want us to help um, use as commentary to help us understand the passage that we're going to read today. So we have it ready for you on the screen. But if you would turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, the author of Hebrews says this. Therefore he, that's Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And so I want this to be the commentary in which we kind of read this text today, that Jesus was made like us, like made like man in every respect, and, and, it, and it allowed him to be empathetic of us. 
This temptation is super important in reading even the rest of the gospel so that we see that Jesus knows what we felt. He can empathize with us. He can feel our pain so that it might make him become more merciful. Because he knows what we go through. And, and the faithful high priest, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, we're going to talk about what that, that means. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So here's the big truth that I want us to walk away with today uh, as we read through uh, Luke chapter 4. And it's this, big truth. Jesus is merciful, faithful, and able to help us in our temptation. Jesus is merciful, faithful, and able to help us in our temptation. All right, let's start. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to go ahead and read uh, the full 13 verses and then go back through and begin to break it down. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and in a moment of time, and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. What did exactly did Jesus experience in those 40 days of temptation? We're going to dive in. There's three temptations that, that are listed there. There's three things that we, that we really have to, to work through. But I want you to know that this is like a, a cocktail. This whole thing is like a cocktail of Old Testament, events of the Old Testament, things that happened in the Old Testament, prophecies that would be fulfilled in Jesus from the Old Testament, and then implications for uh, the rest of Christianity to come. I mean, there's a lot going on in this text. If I tried to break it all down and I tried to quote every verse, we would be here all day. Okay? So... Um, I know what you, some of you just thought, well, what's different than any other Sunday? Uh, i got teenagers that are tired. That's what's different. Um, verse, verse 1, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And so here's my first big idea. 
is that Jesus came to fight a spiritual battle. This battle that we're going to see here is one of spiritual nature. It's not of the physical, right? His disciples thought, man, we're, he's coming to bring in a kingdom, right? He's going to overthrow the kingdom that's there. Everybody was looking for a real physical battle. But the battle that Jesus came, the battle that, that he came to fight, it was a spiritual one. And his days in the wilderness, 40 days being tempted by the devil, are the beginning of that fight. I want you to notice something, and that's that I skipped the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3. We're going to kind of preach through the book of Luke, and man, there's going to be times where I have to summarize things, times where... I'm going to do devotions, and they'll go out in the trail probably to handle some pieces of Scripture, to put some pieces together. But there's also going to be times I just refer you to something else. And so, man, I've preached through the genealogy of Jesus. We did it, and uh, I believe it was in the advent of 2020. We did it in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's a full five sermons. And, man, I cover the genealogy of, of Jesus. I would just invite you with all your, your time, your spare time that you have, go listen. Find those on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. You can go find them and listen to them, right? They're actually, so it's like my favorite Advent series that I've ever preached. It was, it was fun to do. Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham and goes to Jesus, Luke's genealogy is, is different, and it even has some different names. It starts with Joseph, and it goes all the way back to Adam. Here's what verse 38 of, of chapter 3 says. So the, the passage just prior to this one, the last thing that we would read is this. The sons of Enos, the sons of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And so Luke, in his genealogy, ties Jesus all the way back to Adam. And the story that he's telling us here is a theme that we're going to see in the book of Genesis. Because it is in Genesis where Jesus' ancestor, but we, we, we call him the, his, Jesus' brother Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. He's the second coming of, the, the, of, of man. Where Adam goes into not a desert, but a garden. And guess who is there but Satan himself, the serpent. And what does Satan do? Satan doesn't take 40 days to tempt him. Satan doesn't bring him to a, 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 he's not in a place of, of hunger, in a place of weakness, but rather in a, in a place of strength. And yet, he tempts him and he falls into temptation. He, he and Eve literally bite on it. They bite the apple. They fall into temptation and they sin. Here he's showing us, Jesus was a man. The, the Spirit had to come upon him. It wasn't just that he was full of the Spirit, that the Spirit had to come upon him. That we see in Jesus' baptism. We see that he was in, uh, in the desert. He ate nothing during those days, and he was hungry. We also should notice the amount of time that he was there. How long was he there? He was there 40 days. And man, there's, 
there's, there's something else that, that even when he quotes, when Jesus quotes scripture here in a minute to answer temptation, what does he quote back to? Not to Adam necessarily in this, in this case, but to the Israelites wandering in now the desert. And 40 years in which um, the Lord was the pro- pro- provided provision for them. So we even go, you can go to the book of Hosea, you can go all over the place in the Old Testament and you can see all the places that they're drawing from, the 40-day the, the themes, Israel's failure, uh, mankind's failure when tempted by Satan to fall in it. And so now we've got 40 days being tempted, and it's not like the 40, it's not like what happened in the garden, but rather it's in a desert. It's in a desolate place. It's, a, it's the anti-Eden. The, the, first, the first Adam falls to, to this, 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 in this gorgeous garden to this idea that they can be greater than God and can have God's knowledge. But the, the second Adam now faces this alluring temptation of Jesus amid a barren desolation, amid suffering, amid hunger. So here's what I want you to see here. Unfortunately, friends, we don't live in the garden. We live in the desert. We live amongst suffering. We live amongst hardship. It's the first Adam's fault. It's the second Adam who's going to save us from it. We see over and over in Scripture that this battle that's being fought, what happens here in the garden as he's tempted uh, for 40 days and as he's hungry, it's not one that's of physical nature. It is a spiritual battle. That's the battle that Jesus came to fight. I remind you of Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6. This is his, his encouragement to us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I want you to understand, the temptations that were going on for Jesus in the garden, this was the devil scheming. How do I tempt him? How do I uh, uh, trick him? And the three that we learn about, the three that Jesus would have told his disciples about, it's, it's... for us here, a clue for us of how we should live. And so verse 12 in, in Ephesians chapter 6, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so I want you to understand something in that Jesus came to fight this spiritual battle and he came to fight it on our behalf. He came to save us. Not not to save us in like some sort of physical earthly sense, not to overthrow governments and make his 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 like this earthly kingdom. I mean we actually see in scripture that who's the Who's the, who's the ruler of the earth? Who's the king of the earth? The prince of the power of darkness, it says in Ephesians chapter 2. It's Satan. It's not the physical. He came to save us in the spiritual. If you guys have ever read uh, C.S. Uh, Lewis's uh, book, 
Um, help me out with the name of it. Screw tape letters. There, I know you've read it. Screw tape letters. One of the main things that uh, the wormwood uh, is is trying to convince people to do is not believe in Satan. Like the, the way in which Satan gets victory, the Satan, the way in which he wins is if he can convince us that he's not real. And so this is just the reminder that there are things in your life that are impacting you week in and week out, day in and day out, hour by hour, that are spiritual, not physical. And often we look for physical solutions to spiritual problems. And we get nowhere. And it leads us into all sorts of anxiety, all sorts of uneasiness, all sorts of longing and desiring for things that won't fix the very problem that we have. Because we're looking for physical solutions to spiritual problems. You look around at our world today. And our world who doesn't believe in spiritual things and who doesn't believe in Satan and his power are looking to all sorts of things to fix problems and their solutions are not answers. They're only, it's, it's just Satan's ploy. And man, it's so often that those, those answers lead to mutilation, destruction. They, they, they lead to death. That's, that's his answer. What is Satan out to do but to kill, to steal, and destroy? That's what, the, that's, what, that's what the Bible teaches us. And so, man, he's really good at it. And so all we have to do is not believe. Now, I want to say there's a flip side to this. I think that, that sometimes we can over-spiritualize things and we can say, well, Satan made me do it. When in fact, you're, so, you're, so, you're, such, easy, you're so like such an easy target for temptation that Satan didn't even have to waste any energy on you. It's like, nah, that's self-destruct mode right there, Right? There, there's, a truth, there's, a, there's a truth on both sides, and there's an answer to both sides. There's an answer to both sides. There's something that we must do. So now, let's go in, let's dive in, and let's start breaking down these three temptations. Now, I want you to see something really, really interesting here as we start. I want you to think about what's one of the last things that we heard. We, we, we see um, there in the baptism of Jesus, right, the the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. The heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice of him from heaven says, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And so really the last scene we see is the heavens open up in God speaking. And now the next scene that we see is hell, the jaws of hell opening up and Satan speaking. The devil said to him, If you were the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And so, here's the first physical temptation. The first temptation is, is physical need apart from the will of God. Jesus, you're hungry, you have fasted 40 days. But if you're the Son of God, if you're really who you say you are, just take that rock and make it become bread and eat it, and you'll hunger no more. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but man, my hunger for me 
shows my physical weakness, my lack of self-control as much as anything in my life. This is like one of my struggles in life. If, you've, if you guys have been around for a whole four years of our church, you know that there was another guy who used to preach here. His name was Fat Zach. And then there was a skinny Zach. And now, and, and, and now there's kind of like in the, in, in the middle, like better change some things and go back to being skinny Zach. Um, it's, it's been a struggle. Matter of fact, uh, just Thursday morning, I knew I had my Bible study at 6 a.m. at the breakfast club, so I knew that meant that I was going to have a, a Belgian waffle combo, egg scrambled, and bacon. Because that's what I get. I don't even have to ask. They just bring it. I also knew that I was meeting, was had, had an elder meeting with Andrew McKnight, and we were eating at Doug's Day Diner, which meant I was going to eat a black Betty, which is the mm, hamburger, so good. It's like a peanut butter and jelly hamburger with green chili it's, it's, it's good. But I was going to eat a salad instead of fries to kind of balance life out. And I got a text message from uh, a pastor who was leading a prayer meeting. And I was going to a prayer meeting midday Thursday. And he said, hey, by the way, there's going to be donuts. And I was like, man, get behind me, Satan. You know, I'm like, all right, I know that this is how my day's going to go. And so literally, I'm taking a shower, and I'm going, I'm not going to eat a donut. I'm not going to eat a donut. I'm not going to eat a donut. Stepped on the scale. I was like, not going to eat a donut. And so I go to this prayer meeting, and there the donuts are, you know. And I like, you see, I'm not even looking at them. You know, I'm fleeing them. I'm not even looking at them. And we pray, and there's like 12 pastors in the room. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but pastors are long-winded. And they can pray a long time. I'm over there, man, all this praying. I'm getting hungry. So I get done praying, and we're talking. I've got a meeting afterwards, and so it's a late lunch before I get there. I've got a, a LPBA, Longspeak Bad Association meeting, and I keep eyeing those donuts. Dang it. They're Lamar's, right? Why couldn't it have been like grocery store brand donuts, you know? They're Lamar's, but they're not just regular Lamar's. They're the specialty box. And you know what I see just on me popping up out of the corner? Red velvet. Man, I ain't had one of them red velvet donuts in a long time. And man, them things are good. And so I'm just going to go look and see what's over there. I don't know how it happened, but the next thing I know, I had red velvet donut in my mouth. Just a bite. I wasted the other half. I was like, failure, right? Man, my, I, literally, when, 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 in all seriousness, when I go in, 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 in a fast or in some, some time where I'm trying to control what I eat, man, my body shows me that I'm weak. And I've, I've never done a 40-day fast. If the Lord ever leads me to do a 48-day fast, I, I will. But my, my mentor, Herschel, York has done a couple of different 40-day fasts when I work for him. Those are really pleasant 40 days, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm just kidding. He wasn't, he wasn't too grouchy. Uh, but it was like, you know, we, we were very careful not to tempt him. Like, if we were all going out to eat, we would, like, not say, hey, we're going to eat. We would kind of, you know, go from him because we watched what it would take. I watched the discipline that it would take to do a 40-day fast, not, not to... Not to eat, but rather just, just to drink and to pray. And I'll tell you, one of the, the end of his 40-day fast, uh, when, he, when he broke fast one, one time, I, I got to be with him along with a lot of other people. We were with him, and, 
And man, it was an, an incredible thing. I can't, I can't imagine the hunger in which he felt. But man, it would be nothing compared to what Jesus did here. That Jesus, every day, was a spiritual battle. Every day, he was being tempted. Every, every day, he's coming. And, and again, remember, remember the context here. Remember the commentary that he's doing this so that he can empathize with us. And so... Man, you know, there's like, we don't have the temptation that Jesus had of like, man, I can just turn that uh, stone into bread and eat it. Like, we, you and I, we can't, we don't have the ability to do that. But what we do have the ability to do is to meet our physical needs apart from the will of God. We do that. We will try to meet our physical needs apart from the will of God. And so here's, here's, here's this big idea is that Satan attacks us in our physical weakness. I don't know what your physical weakness is. It, I mean, I know for most humans, right, it's, it's two things. It's food and it's sex. It, it's it's, the, it's, it's the, what our stomach wants and it's the lust, lust in our heart. Those are the two things. And, and he ta- attacks us in our weakness. He attacks us when we're tired. He attacks us when we're sick. He attacks us when we're depressed. He attacks us when we're down. And, and what do we do in the attack but give in to the temptation to meet a physical need apart from the will of God? And so, Jesus had the opportunity. Jesus had the opportunity to meet that, 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 that need, to meet his hunger. But he didn't. Jesus wasn't willing to take matters into his own hands. He wasn't willing to go against the Father's will, but rather trusted his word. This is, this is how he fought this temptation. This is how he fought uh, this, the, the temptation to meet this physical need apart from the word of God. The will of God, rather. He fought it with the word of God. When we see in Matthew, we see the same, same passage. Matthew quotes it a little bit different. He says, as is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but, every, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, we, we have a picture here of how we fight against temptation. One of the main ways in which we do it is with the word of God. That we would hide God's word in our heart, that we would not sin against him. You've got to know the Word of God. You've got to hide the Word of God. You've got to rely on the Word of God. And, and just, as, just as Jesus was tempted for 40 days straight, I'm telling you, Satan tempts us every day. And so that's why it's important for us to consume God's Word and not to live by physical means, but in the spiritual also, to live on every word, the bread of life that comes from God. And so when Satan attacks us in our physical weakness, we respond with God's word. That's how you respond. You respond with God's word. Verse 5, let's look at the, the next temptation. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority... And all their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, 
Again, quoting back Deuteronomy, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Here's the second temptation. It's the temptation of the easy way out. That's what Satan was offering him. If you read this, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? He showed him all the kingdoms in the world in a moment in time. Those kingdoms were going to be God's anyway, right? Wasn't Jesus coming for those kingdoms? Wasn't Jesus coming? Like, if you've read the book of Revelation, don't you know that this is all Jesus's? I mean, this is all stuff in the whole kingdom, in, in, the, in the whole world that Jesus has a stamp on it that says, Mine. But he says, To you, I will give all this authority. This is Satan. To you, I'll give all this authority and all their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. Well, this is true. This is, this is, Satan's not lying in, in this instance. Even Jesus, remember I said Jesus has called him the ruler of the world. He says it three times in the book of John. He calls him the ruler of the world. We, we see in, 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 his, in his fallenness that he's the prince of the power of air. The one who works in the sons of disobedience, right? He's got all these people, the, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, like the, the Romans, all, all these different people groups over, over time who've worshipped false gods. They've worshipped Satan, and Satan is saying, I will give them over to you. Like right now, I can make every knee bow and every tongue confess. I will give them to you. All you have to do is worship. You just worship me. All you have to do is worship me, and it will all be yours, and you can take the easy way out. Because your father, he's going to make you suffer for it. He's going to make you endure the cross. You're going to have to die for the sins of the world. All you have to do is take the easy way out. You worship me, all yours. Jesus' answers, no. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Satan wanted Jesus to skip the cross. Satan didn't want Jesus to give his life for a ransom for many. Satan didn't want God to get the glory. And so that's how he attacked. That was his hope. His hope that is that Jesus wouldn't die for you and I. This was Satan's scheme to subvert the gospel, to go around the gospel. But man, I'm glad we've read the rest of the book. Right? I'm glad that we've read that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That though we didn't deserve it, though we don't deserve it, though we are a people who are weak and are going to give in to our temptations over and over and over, Jesus was willing to do his Father's will and go to the cross for us. Jesus was willing to go and die on the cross for our sins. The Bible tells us that those who believe in him will be saved. The Bible says that he was the propitiation for our sins. It's that word we read in Hebrews, meaning he would be the atonement. He would pay the price, the price that we, the debt that we owed. Jesus would pay for us. That's the good news of the gospel. 
The good, news, the good news in this passage, the ultimate good news is that Jesus is God's son and he did not fall to the temptation of Jesus. Because if, I mean to, to Satan, if he would have fall, fell to the temptation of Satan, it would mean no salvation for you and for I. And so the second temptation was the easy way out. And here's, here's the big idea that I want to show you is that Satan attacks us with promises of ease for personal gain. Satan so often will attack us with the easy way out. Just as he did Jesus. He's going to give you an easy way out. If you just do this, it'll be easy. You'll be loved. You'll be careful. Whatever that greatest fear is that you have, here's the easy way out of it. Now, here's how we know if the easy way out is scheme of the devil or not. Is the easy way out biblical? Is the easy way out God's plan as revealed in Scripture? And I, I think of I think again. I, I mean, often here I think this this comes to to to, to our sexual desires. I, I think of this that man. If if we you know we're we're lonely, we want a spouse. So if we just just move in and live with somebody that's unwilling to be committed to us. Right? We'll win them over, then they'll marry us. Right? Or, or we'll, we'll immediately fulfill that need. We'll make that happen. There's the easy way out. For, for personal gain or for power. I mean, I, I would tell you that, man, what, what's the easiest way to get rich? People in here are like, well, if I knew the answer to that. Right? Well, I'll just tell you. It's to cheat, it's to steal, it's to lie, it's to connive. That's the easiest way to get rich. The easy way out. Because what do we know? I mean, a bunch of people with calluses on their hands, a bunch of people with, with hours and hours of work every week, that we know that providing is, 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 is a work. It's toilsome. It causes labor. It's how God designed it. God designed and created us that way. He created us to work. He he, he, he made us that way, but yet over and over and over, we're, we're told promises of ease for personal gain. And I, I once knew this guy. He, he, he came from a, a rough background. And he got saved. He met, he met the Lord, and the Lord, the Lord saved him. I mean, he lived, at this point, 40-plus years of his life just in wild rebellion. And he gets saved, and man, he, he's on, on fire for the Lord. And you see it, and you, see, you just see his faithfulness. But then one day, you notice something change in him. He'd worked up. He was the, the, the manager at a plant. He was at manager on night shift. They sold a, a, a mass product, and that, that product was shipped out of their plant in transfer trucks and train cars and that kind of thing. And one day, he got approached by an old friend, a friend that was, I'm not making this up, in the mafia. The friend promises him an easy way out. 
you'll start selling us product. We'll pay you the money. All you have to do is allow our trucks to back up to your trailers. We'll bring them back. One out of every 50. And so, man, he started getting rich. All he had to do was to do a little paperwork, shift some things around, and turn a blind eye. Seemed easy, right? Next thing you know, his pockets are filling up, his bank accounts are filling up. And what do you think happens to his love for the Lord? What do you think happened to him spiritually? He became dull. He became hardened of heart. He thought he had the easy way out. He was making money. He no longer, he no longer needed Jesus. And then one day, he got addicted to gambling, to sports betting. And he's had all this money, and all of a sudden he's taking money, and he's betting on he's betting on games, he's making more money. He's making more money, he's making more money. And guess what happens when you gamble? You lose, right? You lose money. You don't win every bet. And somehow in gambling, all of a sudden, he's got a big debt that he, he can't pay. And so guess what he does? He decides to now cheat the mafia. Bad idea. Right? Next thing you know, the cops are storming his house and he's arrested. He's put in jail. And his life comes crumbling down. All because Satan told him a lie. And he believed it. Satan said there's an easy way. There is an easy way. But it's not Satan's way. Jesus says, follow me. You know, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Do you know why that is? It's because it's Jesus. Jesus takes it that Jesus takes the weight. He does it because he went to the cross that he didn't take the easy way out. And so we look to Jesus. When Satan attacks us and promises us ease for personal gain, no. We say no. We worship only God. And so the first way you combat is in, with the word. The second way you combat is in worship. You take your mind off of the one who's offering the ease and you put it on the one who, who offered salvation. You put, a, you put it on the one who made the way for you and for me. Verse 9, the third temptation. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are of the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. And on, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so, here was the third temptation. It was the misuse of faith and power. It was the, it was, this, this is what he was to do. Like, take you up to the highest place. Let me tempt you. Even notice each time he goes at the ego. If you are the son of God, if you are real, he, can, he continues to take shots at, at the faith, shots at truth. So, he tempts them. If it's you, you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
And then he uses scripture. He uses scripture to come at Jesus and says, hey, do this thing. So here's the big idea I want you to see. Is that Satan twists God's word to get us to disobey God. The first two times in this passage, Jesus quotes scripture to Satan. And so Satan goes, I'll give it a turn. And he takes and he quotes scripture to Jesus. He quotes it to him. And it's, it's a misuse of, of faith and power. And he wants, he wants Jesus to bite on it. He wants him to, 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 to take the bait. Jesus answers scripture used wrongly with scripture used rightly. It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Man, I want you to, to know that there are, there, are, there are plenty of temptations that will come in life that will come through the misuse of Scripture. We as humans are really good at using Scripture to justify our, to be, our disobedience. Man, I tried to find it. I tried to find this greeting card. There's a, I saw this greeting card that one time that it, it said this Scripture on it, and it was just part of it, and it was like really sweet. It was like this sweet greeting card, and you read it, and you go like, aw. You know, it was sweet. But then if you like looked at the full context of the verse, it was like not sweet at all. I mean, it was like not something you should put on a greeting card. I mean, that's the kind of things that we do all the time with Scripture, isn't it? We just twist it however we want it. We'll take little pieces of, of verses. We'll take the first part of a verse, and we'll pull it out of what? Context. And we'll twist it and mold it into our context. And man, I'll tell you, we're good at it. Satan's even better at it. Satan's great at using God's word, misuse of, of power against us. And man, there's whole movements. Like if you start reading to, uh, start listening to the, the podcast Cultish, do you know how cults start? Misuse of scripture, the twisting of scripture. So many cults start that way. Like if we, we want to look at uh, the health, wealth, prosperity, gospel movement. You know, look at, say, like a Benny Hinn, like his ministry. What does his ministry do but twist scripture, misuse scripture to abuse, spiritually abuse people in order to get rich? Right? He does the very thing. He uses the, the, the very tactics of Satan. So often Satan twists them and he deploys Scripture against us. And so, how do we fight temptation? As we model from Jesus, we fight it with his word. We fight it with worship. But we also fight it with the right use of Scripture that comes from knowing Scripture. Verse 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him until an opportune time. Now, first thing I just want you to note here is that the battle wasn't over. The spiritual battle in which Jesus came to fight would not be over until he said it is finished on the cross. That's when it will be over. I don't think there was any chance Jesus fell to the temptation in those 40 days. I think Jesus, Jesus was perfect. He was, he was God's son. He went through this so that he could empathize with us, so that he could be more merciful and more faithful. It was God's will that he would do this. 
But it's not God who wills Satan upon us. Yes, we even see in, in, the, in the book of James, chapter 1, that when you're, when you're tempted, you don't get to blame it on God, it's, it's Satan. It's not that God will, will never test or God will never forge you in fire, God will never sanctify you, but it, God will not tempt you, right? When we even hear the Lord's Prayer, um, deliver us you know, not to e- evil, keep us from temptation. It's, it's asking for God's power. That's the context that we see temptation. That's the context in which we see God. Is that, that God moves and works and He empowers us by the power of the Holy Spirit to use His Word, to use worship, to fight the lies of Satan with truth. James chapter 4, verse 7. James says this. He says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Hebrews 4, where Jed read. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. I'm going to show you right here. This is how you fight temptation in one verse. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here's my last big idea. Resist. Run to Jesus and the devil will flee from you. Let's be a church that runs to Jesus this morning. Father, we come to you thankful for your word and that it is truth. And Lord, may you grant us belief this morning. May we see our reality, the reality of spiritual warfare, the reality of temptation. But let us not be discouraged, but know that if we resist and we run to Jesus, that God is, Jesus is more than able to help us conquer. Because Jesus conquered sin and death once for all on the cross. And that when we do sin, that we have a a, a Father who's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. That when we fall, when we fall prey to Satan, when we fall to temptation, that Jesus uh, is made a way for us to come back to you, Father. And there you stand with your arms wide open. Lord, may we cling to that truth this morning. May we live it out each and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.